American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. My name is James, joined per usual by my co-host, Alex. What a wonderful evening it is, James. It is indeed, my friend. And joining us today, regular recurring guest, Ryan Williams. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on. Such a riveting performance to comment on. It was just, uh, I've barely come down since. What a high after that one, after Everton, of course, fell 1-0 to Spurs at their new stadium in what was probably the last fleeting glimpse Everton has at a hope to play in Europa League next season. Very, very unfortunate. And we will talk about the match after which we will discuss, of course, some perhaps slightly more uplifting news in the Everton kit reveal and a couple new contracts for some younger players in the squad. But Alex, let's let's start with you. Lineups come out and it's an it's an interesting lineup, just one change. And then the match kicks off and a bit of an interesting shape from Carlo today. Yeah. So immediately, well, well, to talk about the lineup real quick we saw that Gordon dropped off the starting lineup for Tom Davies. And so we had Sigurdsson, Gomez, and Tom Davies all starting for the first time together since the restart. And so that right there, I think, told us that Carlo felt he wanted a bit more control in midfield. Um, so we start off the match, and and there were a lot of folks on Twitter calling for three at the back, thinking that we would go uh, three center backs um, now that Mina was back and all that all that sort of stuff, maybe a little bit more defensive stability. And yet what happens is we get in possession and, you know, it was very, very chippy to start and it, and it kept that way throughout the entire match. When we were in possession, essentially Lucas Dean and Seamus Coleman bombed way up the pitch. They were sitting super high and Tom Davies would sit on the right, kind of in the right back position. And then Gilfie Sigurdsson would kind of sit in on the left and kind of the left back position. And so what would happen is we would try to essentially push the ball up the field on the flanks. And then we had Gomez sitting in the middle kind of trying to link up play. The only problem was, as we moved into the match, we realized that it wasn't working very well at all. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Uh, it was a neat setup, though. I mean, you know, Davies tucking kind of inside, Coleman pushing up, because we've seen a lot of the last couple matches, the right back has been back, you know what I mean? Been playing way more conservatively. And uh, and you could see they tried to push Awobi up a little higher. You saw Dean go a little farther up the pitch later in the match when Awobi had to be subbed at half, but... Wobi went up higher and he looked like he was kind of going to be a trigger guy, uh, but he wasn't in the middle. It wasn't like he was playing a 10 and they couldn't get him the ball uh, when he had it. He gave it away a couple times. I think there was a through pass or two or he tried a couple play, you know, he just and nothing really clicked. We didn't really create much, but frankly, neither did Spurs except for their goal, which was kind of a fluke. Really, it was just kind of a bad luck. It was a ball that was going wide. I mean, yes, um, get, letting someone get the ball that deep in the box is problematic, but. I mean, he was going wide. It just happened to take a strange ricochet off. Michael Keane, who was in the net, um, just kind of disappointing, you know. Um, but really, the first half, I mean, they maybe got the better chances, but it really wasn't. I mean, they didn't create that much, I didn't think. No, not very much to write home about at all after the first half. And in full disclosure, I was passively watching the first half as I was engaged in a business meeting <laughs> at work. So wasn't able to devote my full attention. But just in the the glimpses and, and bits that I was able to watch, I mean, it, it looked... Almost at times, you know, 
the maybe not the the shape or anything, but elements of play that kind of embody Everton at their worst this season, where it's very lethargic, very slow. I don't know about fitness. I mean, we've had a decent amount of time to recover since the last match, but you can tell that the players really don't look like their their legs are fully under them just yet. Namely, I'd have to say Andre Gomez, especially as the game wore on. It, it was miraculous to me that he was not substituted at any point. And just just no real incisiveness in the midfield. And, and you know, we've harped on it again and again on the show, just the complete lack of connection or synergy from our defense to our forwards, just that empty chasm in midfield. Yeah just looks bigger and bigger as the season wears on and it comes to a close. Yeah, it's tough too. I mean, those guys in the middle, Sigurdsson and Gomes, you know, aren't, aren't quick to begin with. Um, and neither of them are naturally really defensive midfielders. Um, you can look at the numbers. Uh, and the thing is, Tom Davis isn't either, but at least we played to Davies' uh, strength today and let him be the progressive passer, sit back. I mean, he didn't have that much responsibility from a defensive standpoint because Andre kind of was shading over there a little bit. Uh, and that was kind of problematic, but they, they didn't really attack. Spurs was not, they weren't attacking from the back from the left side. You know what I mean? I mean, the only wide attack was really Serge Aurier a little bit from the right. It was more Sun kind of attacking and Seamus kind of backtracked on him and had a little help from Andre. So Davies didn't have to defend quite as much, but it is funny. So you look statistically in terms of the team and in the league and both Andre Gomes and Tom Davies just get bypassed and dribbled by unbelievable amounts. They've really low tackle rates, like less than 20% when someone <laughs> dribbles at them. I know it's not good, but yeah, I mean, you're so right, James. I mean, a lot of those things that we've seen in the past just kind of came to fruition, but again, Spurs still didn't create that much. Um, problematic though was when you go down and Holgate went down too. Let's hope he's not seriously injured. Uh, he wasn't really having the best, you know, kind of match necessarily, but you know, after that, I mean, you could tell Spurs were content to bunker in a little bit. They didn't create much after that, but they're tough to break down. And I mean, we fired in cross after cross after cross. Um, Awobi went down. We subbed him at half. Apparently he had a hamstring issue. And then you saw some different type of play. It was a little more even, you know, it wasn't as asymmetrical as it was before. But when you look at the numbers, the one thing that really stands out to me is Everton all year has been effective crossing the ball somewhat. I mean, I think we're top five in something like accurate crosses per game. And some of that may be set pieces, but I think we had 22 or 23 crosses today, half of which coming in from Luca Dean, who I thought played an okay game, at least definitely defensively. He did yes. had one accurate cross out of that one. So, and what's even worse about that is so fine. Holgate goes down and that, that can be problematic. I mean, I think Yeri's been his equal, if not better this year on defense, people don't like that opinion, but I, I think it's true. But okay, fine. On set pieces, you've got Calvert Lewin. You have Michael Keane. You've got Yerry Mina in there. I mean, there is some height, some guys that are good in the air, you know, Richarlison too, and nothing. One accurate cross. I mean, that was to me the biggest disappointment today. Fine. If both teams want to bunker in and not a lot of chances were created, okay. But man, when Yerry went in there, I thought set pieces were good, you know, and there weren't a ton of corners. I think we had like six corners, but still, still. And then the other we thing. I, go ahead. I mean, I you know I can go off on that one all day, but no. But I think you raise a good point. I mean, we didn't have a ton of corners, but we also did have a bunch of set pieces in fairly threatening areas, and know. that you know out wide and even towards the top of the box that came to absolutely nothing. I mean, Luca Dean had a, probably one of the better games in the side, but that's again nothing to be super proud of today. I think Carlo Ancelotti, if he didn't already know what a job he has on his hands, he certainly does now. And I, I feel yeah. like I may have used that line multiple times in the past, no, but that's the it's line. So true. That's the line. I mean, you look at it. So Seamus today was 
you know, in a more advanced role. And we know he can dribble, but he really didn't dribble. And and even he got the ball. He got the ball tactically too. Carlo did a good job of mechanically as a system, getting him in the ball in dangerous places. And he didn't do much with it. I mean, we know he's not a great crosser. That was definitely on display today. He just couldn't get the ball through in any sort of dangerous areas. You know what I mean? Um, you saw that. You saw like the lack of dribbling in the side. When Gordon came in the middle, granted, he had fresh legs, but you saw him at least take initiative. And that was risky, too, because now we've got someone in the middle that's really rushing up front. But Bernard, everyone kind of says, well, OK, fine. Awobi's on the left or Richarlison's on the left on the left. Why can't Bernard play on the right? Well, you saw it today. His orientation was totally off. He got he beat no one. He did nothing with it. Um, you know, it, you just and you could just go down the line. All of those weaknesses we saw, and maybe it was Jose, Jose Mourinho style football, sitting back and exploiting weaknesses. But uh, yeah, just I mean, I think we had something like only one person had maybe two attempts at dribbling on the entire side. And even Tom Davies normally has a couple, and he didn't. I mean, there was just it was static. It wasn't quick. We weren't dangerous. Um, and again, neither were Spurs, but they got the early goal and we just really couldn't create much to make up the difference. And it was kind of terrible to watch. Well, you know, the most damning thing is the fact that our whole performance ended up relying on crosses, accurate crosses to be exact. Yep. We had one out of 20 plus. But the reason why our entire game today hinged upon keeping the ball out wide and swinging in crosses is the fact that Andre Gomez and Tom Davies couldn't look but left, right, and backwards when they had the ball. You saw Awobi tucking in a ton, giving them options, along with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. You saw Richarlison floating around. And there were no central forward passes at all. It was literally just pass it one person to your right or one person to your left and send it down the line. Yeah, and that's how we ball. became so reliant on crosses. And then we we, we just you know, take this big old turd of one accurate cross and slap it on the desk and walk out and we lost. I mean, you look, think about maybe one of the best attacking moments we had in the entire match was Yeri Mina taking it upon himself to, to drive the ball forward into space, finds Richarlison and Richarlison ends up with a, with a decent shot that goes just wide. And that's of course what sparked the, I think it ultimately is what sparked the, uh, Loris son debacle that lasted all of 10 minutes before they made he up. He was mad. But he was mad. He was very mad. <laughs> but like Gary Mina really did, you know, normally Mason, either Holgate or Mina are the ones between the two center backs to actually play with the ball at their feet. Obviously, Michael Keane, not his strong suit. But I did like to see that from Gary Mina today as as little as it ended up mattering and as frustrating as it was to not see that from our actual players who are intended to play offense. You know, just again, like you said, Alex, very, I don't, I don't want to say cowardly. I don't want to accuse anyone of being a coward. But no one has no player on the field really asserted themselves into the match particularly well until, as you said correctly, Ryan, Anthony Gordon came in and I thought he was probably the only bright spot of the entire day. He was good. Uh, but again, a little perspective. Uh, I know we all want to charge into Europe. Um, all is not entirely lost. Yes, that would have been massive to get a result today. But but trying to be objective, taking a step back. Spurs have not been good this year. No doubt. No question. Um, but. I mean, they're, they have some talent on the team. I mean, let, let's not kid ourselves here. Um, you know, we're, we obviously have issues in midfield. Just taking an objective look on the performance, 
We didn't create anything, but they didn't either. I mean, it was a crap game. It was not fun to watch. It was very defensive oriented, but you got to give Spurs a little bit of credit for packing in and playing good defense. Yes, I know we didn't create anything. They didn't either, though. Objectively looking at it in terms of the quality chances created, it was pretty even. Frankly, they got a lucky bounce that went off Keen and went in. If they don't score that, I mean, does anyone really think Spurs are threatening all match? I, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. And I think it's just unfortunate, really. I think that's all it is. Um, but yeah, we're going to have to still play much more dynamically in attack next week. But we also have a team coming up that's going to go at us a little bit that, that won't be bunkering down. That's for sure. And th- that might be a helpful thing, honestly, even if that team's playing pretty well. No, and I think you're right. I think, I think Mourinho's general, obviously everyone's sort of familiar with Josie Ball at this point. He's not going to exactly surprise anyone. And, and again, like you said, no real great chances created by anyone, but but Spurs, to be honest, I mean, I thought they managed the second half fairly well. They never yep. really let us do anything super dangerous. They yep. were fairly comfortable the entire time. And I think they were, what, one win in their last nine or winless in their last nine coming into this match. And lo and behold, Everton managed yet again to provide a team that is in desperate need of a boost, some sort of boost. I don't think they'll take too much, you know, They'll take the three points all day, but I don't think they'll be super thrilled with the way that they played either. So neither team with a whole lot to be proud of. Spurs get the three points, and and I think they'll take that and run with it. I just want to give a a special shout-out real quick before we move on to the other bits um, to Yeri Mina, because I really feel like once he came on into the match after Holgate went down, um, he did a really good job, I think, simply just trying to bring some energy into the side. We saw him charge up a couple times. We saw him attempt to play quite a few forward balls. And, you know, we haven't seen him very much in the last, well, I guess since the restart. And so it was nice to see him back on the pitch. I thought he did pretty well by himself. Yeah, he didn't look quite fit too initially. You know what I mean? It took him a little bit of time. Uh, I don't know why I thought that. He just kind of looked a little awkward and heavy footed. The other thing is that Yuri's good with the ball. Like, I know he's a big guy, but he, he really is, you know, and uh, I just hope Holgate's though not hurt too much because look, when we're playing, the teams are not as good and we're going to have to be on the front foot more. Uh, Michael Keane's not, I mean, he's not great on the ball, but my concern is him playing higher. Yep. You know, it just, it just doesn't work. I mean, we know we don't have that third center back too, so that's even more problematic. And, and that can also segue into another center back topic if you like, but um, we don't really have anyone that's a third. I, I don't even know what we do other than putting maybe Dean in there, uh, right. which would be a little strange. I think he's an underrated defensive player and he's better in the air than people give him credit for, but he's very good in the air. Yeah. I mean, but he's good in the air for a left back, you know, that would be strange. Right. I don't know what we do on that. So hopefully Mason's all right. Any last words on the disappointing, abominable performance today, gentlemen? I don't if there's a man of the match, it has to be Anthony Gordon, I think, but I don't think there is one. That's I'm going to say one last thing. I swear to God, Jordan Pickford, uh, I'm glad oh. that they didn't have any shots on us today <laughs> oh. because what on earth was he doing? Uh, his distribution was terrible today, too. I mean, it was completely insane. Uh, even at the end of the game, we're trying to get up. I mean, you're throwing long balls and over-baking it to Bernard. What are you doing? Uh, I, I just That was, was crazy. There was a cross that went in today in the second half that dropped like on the six. And I'm sitting back there thinking, what the heck is he doing? Like, get, go up and get the ball. I, one, I don't know if it was a corner or whatnot came from the far side that he jumped up and it went through his hands and above him. I, I just, after watching him last week too, just making me nervous as can be, uh, I, I don't know what is going on there, but that was not a, a performance that inspires confidence for me. But no, I mean, there's not much more to say. I mean, he didn't have many opportunities to screw it up but we've got we got to play better 
next week for sure. Play faster. And uh, Carlo's going to have to change some things around, even if I did like his tactical setup today. That's it. That's all I got. I mean, that was a brutal game to watch. I won't be rewatching right. that one in any detail. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cruel and unusual punishment. It was bad oh. enough to watch it once. Seriously. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to a little more exciting news, I guess, a bit more positive stuff. So earlier this week, we had the new kit reveal, the home kit revealed by Hummel for the 2020-2021 season. Yes. Throw it to Alex first. Alex, your impressions of Hummel's, our first kit with the new sponsor. I really like it. I mean, I, I think I think it's a little simpler than I anticipated because I think in in this instance, like with how hyped up it's been and knowing like we're the flagship brand or brand and blah, 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 you know, it could have been easy to overdo it. But I think honestly, simple looks good on it. I I like the chevrons. I think the collar looks neat. Uh, you know, the kazoo. Uh, the kazoo logo looks a lot better than sport peso, which is pretty cool as well. So this might be the first kit I buy before the season starts, as opposed to once they hit X percent off. Yeah, I like them. Uh, I think they look pretty nice. I, they look slick. They look simple, but dude, the training gear. Oh, yes. Some, some of that looks pretty, <laughs> pretty darn nice. I'm telling you what that, that, uh, that white hooded jacket, uh, Ooh, telling you. Yep. Oh, I know. Yep. I know. And then the, then the hoodie. You know, the Yo. men's hoodie there with the chevrons down that I'm telling you, man, telling you that's, that's some, yeah. I mean, I, the only problem I have is do we, we don't know about the sleeve sponsor yet, because if you right. order it now, does it come with, it's got to eventually come with the sleeve sponsor. I get if you want it that way, which I would assume most people do, especially if it has angry birds on it. Cause nothing is cooler than, uh, <laughs> don't get me started, Ryan, do not Sorry. get me started on angry birds, but, but, um, and it's funny too. I mean, obviously they set records in terms of, of ordering, but I mean, how many people ordered a Gordon jersey? Because you know, some people want. Oh to. man, yeah. But is he going to be forty-two? I I don't know. But yeah, I was excited. I almost went and just killed and crushed my credit card out there. But I'm going to wait for the uh the sleeve thing first to make sure it's on there, and then oh yeah, the or I've already taken family orders. It's uh it's pretty much pretty much on. You got to figure they'll probably go a little crazier though with the away in the third though. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. No, I think, I think they really needed to, especially with the Royal Blue kit, like people are so particular. There's so much history, such an integral part of the club, the home kit. I think they really kind of had to play it a little bit safe with this one just to kind of dip their toes in the water, get a feel for what the response would be like. And, and it was overwhelmingly positive. They didn't overstep their bounds. I think they really, and, and I really like what I really like is the keeper kit with the, the sound waves for, uh, <laughs> Zed cars. That's very told, uh, We've been pronouncing it wrong for so long, Z cars, but it's Z cars. It's Z cars it's, it's, us. <laughs> well, that's just like the whole team is that A Z or A Z. Everyone says right. A Z. I don't know. I just that just sounds weird. I just sound like a Euro snob. No offense. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Fair enough. enough. Well, we're getting our American perspective on stuff, right? Like yeah, if you true. No, Z right. cars over here, people would be like, "What are you talking what are you about?" But so, I mean, we know it's right, but, you know, we can't totally alter our language for where we're going to be. But that's that's a that's an overall cultural conversation. We don't need to go. <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. And we're all back to the kits just for a second. Like, I think more so than the kit itself, I think people are just really glad to be rid of Sport Pisa as a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. I think the kazoo, like the lettering isn't dramatically different, but just to be finally free of a, of a betting sponsor, to have a bit more wholesome brand associated with the club that we all love. And it looks sharp. Like there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They, they knocked it out of the park. And I think you're right, Ryan. They will probably get a little bit more adventurous. Whether we'll see the heights of adventure that we've seen them 
do for some of like FC Madison. Oh, Ford uh, Madison. Those are so yeah, sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ford <laughs> Madison. Like something like that. I don't know if we're ever, we'll ever get that crazy, but I'm, I'm hoping that they do something with like an amber or, you know, something along those lines or an all black, something really clean. Um, but yeah, great start to the, to the Hummel legacy at Everton. I think everyone's very pleased with how it's all started. And, and again, once the, once the sleeve sponsor is revealed, yeah, I'm going to max out my credit card. I think <laughs> we're Americans. We love jerseys. We got to admit it. We do it. We do. It's kind of our thing. Yeah, I haven't bought a home kit. The last home kit I bought was the my Ross Barkley, I think, in what, 2015, 16. So I think I might have to go with a classic Baines if he resigns. That's what I've been that's what I've been saying. If he, nice. he signs that extension, I'm going Bainesy. Decent. I feel almost compelled to do like a Wobi or Keen just to make people mad. <laughs> Just to I, I just feel like it, I know. I I swear, people out there, anyone listening, he has been a good player in the past. Awobi. I just feel compelled to defend him because everyone's like, he's crap. He's terrible. He's not that bad, folks. Cut him a break. Jeez, Moist Keen too. He's all right, man. Just needs a chance. Oh well, no one's gonna believe me. Fair, <laughs> fair. So let's wrap it up with these two. Well, signings. I guess you could call it the first one. Jared Branthwaite, who was. We signed about six months ago, uh, 17-year-old center back, and he's been training with the first team squad at least since the restart. And I guess Carlo was pretty impressed with him because six months into his career at Everton, he signs an extension for another year, and so now he has a deal until 2023. I mean, the one thing that I noticed about him when I looked at him before in film, and, and I did an article for Toffee Analysis looking at center backs and I think it was him and Jamie, Ham uh, Jamie, Jamie Hamilton, or was he at Hamilton Academy or Ac academic? I'm sorry, uh, in Scotland, but either way, uh, I looked at Brantwaith and he was really raw, but his talent is unbelievable. You know, you, you just don't find guys that are six foot four that can run and move like him, like loose hips and stuff. Like he looked like, uh, like he could play corner, you know what I mean? Mm. American football. And that was really encouraging. And he had these moments of, of brilliance really even with the ball but like any young player is very very inconsistent he's been training with the first team so i that could only be a positive to me but i, I do want people to sl slow down a little bit on this you can't expect him to just jump into the first team i mean he was playing literally in, in the second league you know the fourth tier you know Seven six months, months ago, ago. Yep. yeah so i don't think i know some people are talking about what's his future do we loan him out to a championship side Maybe, but, but that also might be still a little bit of a stretch for him. And you don't want to put him on a, on a team, on a low end team where he's just going to sit back and defend, um, you know, deep the whole time. So, so you know what I mean? Like I just, people got to temper their expectations, but man, I love his natural talent and we're still under the academy band. So we can't be, you know, stealing people, I guess, from the local area. So uh, if we're not going to do that, um, you know, it's worth it. I think the fee was less than a million for him. He's got that kind of upside, but, um, but I don't think he's anywhere near like Lewis Gibson level yet in terms of maturity and ready to kind of step in where you, you could see Gibson potentially being the fourth center back next year. You know what I mean? Potentially. Right. I, I think it's a good news. I mean, he's training with the first team and you've seen him on the highlights I mean, you could see it, man. He doesn't look out of place physically. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and so point of clarification on just your, your comment about you, you, we can't sign academy players yet. So he was 17 when we signed him, but at 17, you're eligible for professional contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah so right. An academy player, you know, when you when when we as Everton fans are accustomed to seeing, you know, a notification pop up like let's let's say, um, I don't know, Tom Davies signs his first professional contract. That is that is 
what you're talking about. You're talking about moving from the academy into your first professional contract. So that that is why we were able to sign him, although we were going to play him in the under whatevers. And, you know, he is now training with. Yeah, that's a good point. So let, let, that is that is important. So the academy ban means we can't take people as amateurs and bring them into the academy after a certain age. Um, there's limitations on that. They have to start in the academy. Whereas what, what you realize is that there's a reason why someone like Brentford has been so successful and have basically killed their academy. Why? Because anyone who's decent would leave before they sign the pro deal and go with like Man City's academy and stuff. That's just how... It is, but Everton's one of the few that has a good reputation as an academy and could be doing that, but we can't because we're under the ban. But yes, an example uh, this week, I guess, where Sebastian Christensen, um, who is a Danish defender, he's a center back who we we um, joined us from his club, Lingby BK. I don't really know them very well. I mean, my Danish league knowledge is minimal, I guess. Uh, but that's a different scenario. It wasn't like a domestic player in England that was ditching you know, their local club uh, to join Everton. So I think that's how we kind of got away with him. But yeah, he's different. He just signed a pro deal. That's a very different thing than an academy ban, which prevents us from stealing amateur players as well. And I use stealing in a very nice, kind, <laughs> fair way, but it's an advantage for big clubs, so we need to use it. <laughs> and then also we have signed an under-19 left back from Marseille named Niels Nkunku. And so I think... Based on his age, although it seems like the Marseille fans are pretty rattled up about him. Ryan, hopefully you can tell us a little bit more. Um, they're pretty rattled up about the fact that he left. And so I, I know physically a lot of people are really excited about him. Um, and I would assume based on his age and the fact that we're still offering Baines a one-year deal for next year, that he is definitely going to be playing with um, with the academy players um, until at least alone may present itself. Yeah, I think he's going to be... They're just going to throw him in for where Maddie Phones was um, for the U23s, I think. Uh, there is some film on him out there, but not that much, to be, be honest. And and even I don't um, often watch you know U18 matches. Uh, I, I have watched my share of U23 stuff, but um, he's played, I think, a couple times for France. Um, not too many. Um, so when I'm watching, you know, you've got to... You got to be fair in terms of what you're observing. I mean, he's in essence in the fourth tier of the pyramid in France and that league set up. There's some reserve sides and some kind of semi pro sides. But the one thing I did notice, I mean, obviously he's a good athlete. I mean, he, he looked to be at least, you know, 5'11, maybe six feet tall based on some of the heights of the other players. Um, he is definitely two footed. That's the one thing that really stood out to me. I mean, watching the first match, I started watching him in and I'm just kind of watching his touches real quickly. And I mean, he blasted like some 70 yard, you know, switch a couple times with his right foot. And I'm like, isn't this guy a left back? Uh, but he's real front forward. That's the one thing that really stands out. I mean, every single time he got the ball, he wanted to go forward with it. I mean, he was even to the point of maybe making some bad decisions, just forcing the ball forward to players and just taking off, you know? Um, it didn't mean that he didn't look like he couldn't play defense. I don't mean that at all. It just meant that he had a sense of urgency with him. And I think, I think when I was looking at numbers, um, and I did see some numbers through Y Scout, at least for the National Two League. He's like third in the league in forward passes. Um, and I think he's number one in, in another one. Maybe it's progressive runs or something. But it, it, once you, I didn't notice that until later when I looked it up and I just nodded my head like, yep, that's the player I saw. Um, but yeah, I mean, he looked promising. I mean, why not? If it's not, it's a free. Uh, assuming we're not signing him on like a Luke Garbutt 25K a week deal, which I mean, I don't know what to say about that. At least Luke proved it at some professional level. 
That's it's interesting. You know, he he was probably a little old for his. I mean, he wasn't old for his league. There are plenty of old people in it, but old for a reserve side. You know, playing in U18s and stuff. But he's eighteen, nineteen. He has some physical attributes. Um, we'll see how he does. I mean, we're gonna eventually. I mean, there is a nice succession plan there if this works out. So I think that was a really strong sell for Marcel Brands, I'm sure. And it seemed like they did a good job with it. And and it's very nice too because he's got the starting left backs French too. So that you know that's someone when you know he could sit down and. Buddy, buddy, with We've had a couple French speakers in the side, so that's a positive, I think. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. He he stood out in film for me. I, I was pretty excited when I saw him. I was like, hey, why the heck not? The kid's got some natural ability, no question. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's after a match like today, you get a lot of people questioning the manager. Although I haven't seen that as much, I think Carlo's got a pretty long leash as far as the fans are concerned. Oh, people question brands and signings, all of those sorts of things. But yeah. Ryan, you've been a proponent of. And you'll probably continue to to beat this nail on the head. A four to five year project. This is very yeah. much that. And yeah. I mean, I think the signing, this is one for the future. I trust brands with youth, youth prospects and bringing those types of players along to develop to be, if not first team players, then at least a valuable asset that we can then move on elsewhere. And like you said, it's very low risk with a free transfer for a player that young. So I'm and all in favor of it. He's done this in the past, too. I think that's something that was worth doing. I didn't remember him doing it so often, but then I kind of looked back into some of his past. And um, yeah, I wrote a couple articles about how he built teams um, at AZZ and, and PS, PSV. Sorry, that's terrible. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he did that a couple of times. I feel like um, I feel like Wijnaldum, who's at, at Liverpool, was... Kind of right. like a free signing where he ripped off. He may have stole him from Ajax, actually. Uh, Jurgen Locadia, who, who sure enough, is at Cincinnati and MLS, who I, I still think is actually Nowadays. quite good. Yeah, I mean, but he's he's another one, too. So I feel like he got two or three guys that had eventually ended up having substantial uh, value, um, you know, that he signed on freeze and stole from other academies, too. So I think this is straight in his playbook. And uh, it's nice to see him seemingly affecting a little bit more the academy, because I know a lot of people have been a little frustrated with the level of change there. You know, David Unz were still not playing the same tactics. But hey, look, it's taken a while. Transfer Kitty's gone for him. It looks like there's some pressure on him to do some things differently. So to me, this is all a good sign that slowly but surely the ship is turning. Unfortunately, the ship in this case is about the size of the freaking Titanic. So <laughs> it is what it is. We just it's just going to take time, man. It's hard to be patient, though. I understand, but but I encourage people to continue to be patient. It's just not working. No one wants to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> we want to be mad, Ryan. Like, darn it. Just let it go, man. Just give it some time. We know we need central midfielders. We know we, we said that at the beginning of the year. And it's, and just, I mean, got hurt. it's amazing how quickly people can go from like, we want the season to be voided and this rest of the season doesn't matter. This isn't real football to like, we're complete crap and we're never going to be good again. It's like, I, especially now with, like you said, it's still a possibility we get Europe, but I just, I just am ready to kind of wrap things up. Um, we'll of course be with you guys on Thursday following Southampton, who actually just beat Manchester City. So a nice little win for them. Woo-hoo. They'll be flying high on confidence, which is exactly what we need at the moment. We'll be with you guys following that match to give our instant analysis. But until then, and until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg/atp and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod. 